right, there we go. Uh, give me a second to let me think about how I'm going to start this. All right, the long-awaited. Well, probably not awaited. But the long-time-coming podcast of Across the Browns is finally back. It has been, I'm not going to count, but probably about two months since we've recorded something. Um, I'm joined today by Brandon Wolf. You can find him at Brandon Wolf, C-L-E, um, on Twitter. Brandon, how you doing? I'm doing great. I'm uh I'm glad to be on the show. I mean, it's crazy to think that we're going to have Browns football in like 10 days. I saw like- a, I saw someone, maybe it was John Hillberry tweet. John Hillberry, is, he's like, it's just so interesting to follow because he just clowns <laughs> so many people. But yeah, uh, I think he tweeted, it's Brady Quinn day, and he, 10 days away from football or whatever. And I like started counting in my head, and I got sweaty. Like I got nervous because <laughs> I don't want to play the Ravens at all. Because if I was a betting man right now, I would say that the Ravens come out and probably curb stomp the Browns. I know that sounds really discouraging, but what the Ravens do, you don't really get rusty doing it. Um, right. But on the other hand, what the Browns are going to be doing with Stefanski, it's not like you have a lot of rust to shake off either. It's going to be a lot of setting up the run, getting – Baker into play action situations, which he actually absolutely thrives in. But uh, yeah, I'm nervous. I'm nervous as hell. And uh, Brandon, one of the reasons I'm very nervous is because of the safety and linebacker situation. Um, I asked for some listener questions, uh, some mailbag questions for the first show back. And the very first one was basically, I'm scared as hell. What are the safety and linebackers? What's going on? You know, and so I'm going to ask you so you can talk a little bit and I can shut up for a second, Brandon, but <laughs> what, what do you, what are your thoughts? Delpit goes down. They cut JT Hassel, which kind of surprised me. I mean, I think he's more of a feel good story than he is an elite player, but I think someone of his size and speed and athleticism with the Joe Woods system would have, I, I thought had a chance. But I'm going to trust Woods and Stefanski and Barry on this. But we're just what's running through your head with the safety situation right now? Yeah, I mean, when Del Pitt went down, I think the thought in my mind was the same exact thought that was going through everybody's mind, is that he was one of the most intriguing players for the Browns coming, in, like coming out of the draft, seeing that we got Grant Del Pitt at safety, which was already a need. Yeah, everybody was so excited to see him play. Everybody was so excited to see him in our secondary. And when we saw, or when I saw that he went down, I just felt so. I one, I felt so awful for him because he's Mm -hmm. a young guy. Now he's going to have to wait another year to play rookie season, basically, and uh, and it, it just sucks. But especially for the Browns that were already in need of safety and were already most likely going to have to start a rookie at safety. <laughs> then I, he's coming down now. And then now we just traded for uh, Ronnie Harrison, I believe his name is, from Jacksonville. Yeah. And, uh, I, I mean, I'm going to be completely honest. I don't know a whole lot about him. Uh, that's, that's, not, that's not for, um, you know, that's not because you're not an avid football fan. That's because, to be honest, he's just not – He's not good. He's not bad by any means, but he's not, you know, yeah, he's, like he's like you said, you've never heard of him. It's like, who? Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, right. But, I mean, from what I've heard from other Jacksonville fans on Twitter, from other just Browns fans and football fans in general, is that he's a hard-hitting safety and he can stretch to linebacker if need be. And uh, and that he used to play with Mac Wilson and, uh, and Minka Fitzpatrick. I think at this point, there's so many SEC players in the AFC North that you might as well just call it the SEC North. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's all over the place. I mean, especially the Browns, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, especially the OSU Tigers. But I mean, yeah. I'm, I, if you listen to this show, you know I'm not a Buckeye fan per se. So you know how I get after Big Ten fans on Twitter. But I, I'm a firm believer the SEC is the, is the lifeline to the NFL. I'm, I'm not gonna sit here and say that the Big Ten's, you know, worse, but. Just the the level of talent that comes out of LSU, Clemson, which is in the A, Alabama, Georgia, you know those schools are undeniable. I mean, Ohio State has had a big run as of late, but for a stretch there, my good lord! I mean, Taylor Decker and Malcolm Jenkins were maybe the only Buckeyes worth talking about in the NFL. All um, right, but yeah, the SEC is big. God, I get sidetracked easy. <laughs> no, you're good. I actually, I mean, if you don't mind, I'd like to talk some college football here for a second just because I know it's all over the place. But like you were talking about, like the Buckeye or the Big Ten isn't, in my opinion, I'm a huge Buckeyes fan, but the Big Ten is not the best conference of football. I think if the if you take the Buckeyes out of the Big Ten and you put them in the SEC or you put them in the ACC or the Pac-12 or wherever you want to put them, I think that. Big Ten goes from top two to maybe one of the worst divisions or the worst conferences in college football. Definitely one of the lowest Power Five teams. I mean, conferences. Uh, Ohio State is the lifeline, and as much as people hate to admit it, Michigan is too. Not so much for their yeah. play, just their pedigree, really. But um, to head back to the safety situation, I seeing Grant Delpit goes down sucked. I mean. If you watched um, the NFL live draft coverage that um, John Kaufman and I did on here, you could not complain with getting arguably the best safety in the class, one of the biggest positions in need, and a good value in the second round. Um, And like Brandon said, you expect him to start. You expect him to be one of your best coverage secondary players. Good size, good speed, great coverage ability. And obviously he had tackling issues, but I'd like to see half the people that complain about his tackling issues go out and try to make a tackle and not be on a high ankle sprain like he had all of last year. I mean, it's hard to make a tackle in the SEC when you're a perfectly healthy um, safety. I mean, it's... It's a tough position. You make you get yourself in a lot of weird angles. It just happens. And then you, you know, include a high ankle sprain in there. You know, that's something that I gave him leeway for 100%. And you don't, oh, this upsets a lot of people, but I'm not paying my safeties and corners to tackle. I, the front seven, which I don't think you should have front seven now. I would say the front six. I, I'm in a firm belief that you don't run more than two linebackers in today's NFL. But um, 
I think the safety position is definitely scary. However, if Carl Joseph, Andrew Sandejo, and Sheldrick Redwine can stay healthy, I don't think this is a black hole. Uh, for those of you that listen to this show, we've had Brandon Leister on. Very, very smart football mind. Um, just very smart guy in general. And he talks about how your goal as a team specifically a defense is to just not have any black holes on your squad and coverage is something that uh, that fluctuates almost more than anything on the football field um, from year to year so if you can have a guy like Sendejo who in my opinion is going to be the glue to this secondary he's a veteran he's seasoned he's very good in the coverage game um if you can have him stay healthy and help direct this young secondary around, because uh, Carl Joseph, he's still young too. I mean, he was just drafted in 2016. Um, yeah. And Sheldrick Redwine, Sheldrick Redwine, obviously just drafted in 2019. And uh, let's be honest, Redwine's everything but a sure thing. I'm. He, he showed flashes. He has ability. A lot of people who are smarter about football than I am, seem to love him. So I'm willing to give him that benefit of the doubt. The good thing about Redwine, and especially in Joe Wood's system, is you can move him around the field a lot. Um, in college, he played all over the field on defense. But this is... I don't, it, You have to bank on Carl Joseph and Sendejo pretty much staying durable all, all every game, in my opinion. It's... It's going to be rough if they can't find any more depth at the position. Um, yeah. Hopefully they can get a few steals here and there when rosters are cut down. There's going to be, there's bound to be a few surprise cuts for, you know, talented safeties because they're a little too much or, you know, teams just not willing to keep that player on for locker room issues, whatever it may be. But, Yeah, I between the safety and the linebacker position, it's kind of hard to choose which one's scarier. I, I would say the linebacker is yeah. probably a little bit more scary. Um, but see, I this, think that. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you. No, off there. you're good. Um, I think that honestly, I think I agree with you. I think that the linebacker position is a little scarier because even though we don't know exactly what Greedy Williams brings to the table, we know what Denzel Ward brings to the table, and having those two guys in our secondary definitely helps a lot and can kind of maybe take some of that pressure off the safeties, whereas our linebackers, they're kind of just out there on their own, own little island, you know? So, Yeah. Yeah, I think Denzel Ward has to, has to, has to play 80% of games this year. I Denzel Ward is my first new Browns jersey I bought. I love the kid. Um, and he's just slept on year to year. He's been a top five man coverage defender. His first two years in the NFL. Last year, Steve Wilkes was using him in a cover two, cover three scheme a lot. And he's a man-to-man press corner. And the same goes for Greedy. Greedy is a man-to-man press corner. I think you let those two just, they're just going to have to play on islands. Let them play on islands. And like you said, it takes some pressure off the safeties. Yeah, they're going to have to watch, you know, Denzel and Greedy are very, very, very fast corners, but you can still get beat off the line. 
you know, we're going to have to be playing Hollywood this year. I, I can't, I'm not going to try to run through the schedule in my head real quick to remember all the ridiculously fast people we're playing. But, you know, just week one, Hollywood, Brown, going to be the fastest guy on the field. That's going to be something that you're going to have to have Sandeo shadowing him the whole game, that side of the field. But there's there's a lot of nuance we can go in with that, obviously. But like you said, the cornerback position is going to have to take off some pressure from the safety position, obviously. And then for the linebackers, that's got to be the front four. Miles Garrett and Olivier Vernon have to be elite this year. I have no doubt in my mind Miles Garrett will be elite. And Olivier Vernon is a very good defensive end. With him, it's also in Denzel Ward's situation. Just has to stay healthy. Andrew Billings opting out really sucks. Because, um, I, I I, mean, I hate to say this. I love Larry Ogunjobi. But Andrew Billings, the last two years, has been better than Larry Ogunjobi. However, Ogunjobi looks like he's busting his ass this season. I mean, it just... There's nothing to dislike about Larry Ogunjobi except for the fact that on the field, he's just looked a little undersized or under undermanned. Like, he just can't get that pop off on these interior offensive linemen. But, I mean, that front four with Richardson, Ogunjobi, Garrett, and Vernon as your, I mean, those four have to be dominant. They absolutely have to be dominant because this linebacker position doesn't have much to offer. I mean, yeah, see, I was actually going to say uh, when you when you were talking about Olivier and uh, Miles Garrett being, having to be elite this year, I was going to say another guy just taking it a step further would have to be Larry Ogunjobi. If you're going to yeah. take some pressure off those linebackers, you're going to need really your front four to be very, very, very dominant. And I think Sheldon Richardson is even a guy that could have a great comeback year. I mean, last year after Miles Garrett got suspended, obviously, and Olivier Vernon was getting hurt. Sheldon Richardson stepped up, and he he kind of helped a little bit um, there at the end of the year. I, I I mean, obviously he wasn't elite like he has been in the past, but I think that again, if he steps up and if all those those front four on our defensive line can kind of just work in sync, I think that this this defense could be pretty. Could be pretty good, even though our linebackers aren't aren't what they should be. Yeah, I I'm hoping, um, you know, the linebacker position is tough. There's not there's not one guy. It's kind of like the safety position um, outside of mm-hmm. Sendejo in the safety position um, that can do it all. Like Carl Joseph, very good run defender. Hard hitter, you have to worry about him when you're crossing the middle of the field. But he's not great in coverage. Um, Sheldrick Redwine, not really very good at one thing. Just is not a black hole at, you know, at everything. Yeah. yeah. Sendejo, very good in coverage. And he's not going to hurt you in the run game. Um, you know, I'm huge on Sendejo. I think right now, Sendejo's one of the biggest pieces of the secondary. Uh, not being talked about very often, but with the linebacker position, <sighs> Malcolm Smith has been all over the place, mostly bad in his career. You just hope yes. that maybe maybe his experience can help out Taki Taki and Wilson. I mean, Wilson's another guy you love, 
But to be blunt, he was terrible last year. I mean, he was absolutely awful. One of the worst yeah. linebackers in the NFL. However, like Larry Ogunjobi, has been busting his ass. And this whole entire Browns defense last year underperformed. But and I think Taki and Mac, you know, in a in a in a vacuum and in a perfect world, they complement each other. Taki Taki's all over the place. Great run defender, great tackler, um, able to blow stuff up behind the line, uh, just very instinctive. Then you have Mac Wilson, who's more um, more reactive in the run game. He's not going to go in there and blow stuff up. But he's he, maybe he's, he was a plus coverage guy in college, so that's what you hope that he can bring in the NFL when he comes right. around. And then, you know, a guy like B.J. Goodson, you just – you don't know. Like, is he just going to be? It's t- I'm. I don't know. I'm trying to honestly be positive because usually I'm not very negative when I talk about the Browns. But this is a really hard position to be positive about. I mean, Jacob Phillips, if he gets on the field, I'm positive about him. If if Jacob Phillips plays Week One against the Ravens, again in a vacuum in a perfect world, he's a perfect matchup for Lamar Jackson. Aside from the fact that obviously he struggles in side-to-side movement with speed-wise, but he's a sure tackler, and just like Taki Taki, he can blow things up. So, I guess more he's a perfect matchup for Mark Ingram, J.K. Dobbins. Um, you know, Lamar Jackson. That's what do you do? Like, I I came to this conclusion this during the lockdown. I'm like, I'm just done hating players. Like, if they don't play for my team, whatever. If they're great, I'm going to appreciate it. It started with, like, KD a couple years back when, obviously, the Cavs were playing them. I was watching the 2018 finals, and I'm like, this is ridiculous. No way the Cavs win. Well, the Cavs should have won game one and two, blown charge call, and then J.R. Smith doing whatever. Who knows what happens to LeBron's legacy, by the way, if they go up 2-0 against the 2018 Warriors, probably the best team ever constructed. However, um... I just came to the conclusion, like, I was shitting on Lamar Jackson all year last year. John Kaufman, he just kept telling me during fantasy football, like, he's good. He's way better than you're giving him credit for. Lamar Jackson is, I'm going to say it, the best running quarterback the game has ever seen to to date. Um, And he's thrown it way better than I expected in the NFL. I'll, I'll say this to the day I die. He was not a... Good. He was not an efficient passer in college, especially playing in the ACC. But props to the Ravens. They're playing in per- They're playing to his abilities perfectly. They draft guys perfectly for him. They, the Ravens are just a very good franchise. Fans are erroneous assholes, but <laughs> the the franchise does good. But I don't know. I guess I'm trying to think of positive things to say about this linebacker group, and I guess what I'll say is I love Taki Taki's tackling ability. I love Jacob Phillips' tackling ability. I'm very scared about the coverage ability of all these guys. No, I agree. I think that when Mac Wilson went down, Jacob Phillips was the guy that immediately came into my head because, in my opinion, he was very underrated coming into the draft because having a guy like Patrick Queen next to you in college is obviously going to make Patrick Queen look a little bit better than Jacob Phillips. So I think that Jacob Phillips, again, he matches up very, very well against the Ravens. And I mean, I don't want to get ahead of myself here, but if 
he say he does start week one against the Ravens and he has a good game against the Ravens, I think that Jacob Phillips is a guy that we could see in the lineup for for quite a while this year. I mean, because, again, if you prove yourself against one of last year's best teams in the NFL, then I think that you're really ready to go up against a lot of the what our schedule has to uh, has to show, you know? Yeah, the only thing that worries me about Phillips, obviously, is his decision-making in the past game, yeah. and then especially the Ravens. I mean, the Ravens could confuse Bobby Wagner with the run-pass option. I, it's What do you do? You, do you let Lamar Jackson throw a 60-yard bomb to the fastest wide receiver in the NFL? Well, not anymore. Insert Henry Ruggs. Um, or <laughs> do you let him run for 40 yards? I mean, it's just like an impossible battle. Here's... We'll shift it and do a more positive thing um, for this last nine so minutes we're recording. How do the Browns maybe not beat the Ravens? Because I don't think them losing to the Ravens is a deal breaker by any means. I think easy schedule this year, um, bigger playoff pool. Here's how it sounds. This sounds way easier than it actually is. You're playing up against the scariest offense maybe the NFL has ever seen. I know that's getting ahead of myself, but just everything they can do to you, it's terrifying. If you're looking at the Chiefs or the 2007 Patriots, you think, okay, they're going to throw they're going to throw it against me. Still not going to be able to stop it, but I don't have to worry about the run game, you know. But then you think about the Ravens and you've got Mark Ingram just has been a top 10 running back his entire career. JK Dobbins, you know, projected to be a very, very talented running back. I don't love how he stands up going through the hole, whatever. If he proves me wrong, I'll eat my words. But, I mean, if you're going to the Ravens, it's going to be hard to be bad as a running back. Right. Um, the, the way you beat the Ravens is simply keeping them off the field. That's the only way you win. Keep the Ravens off the field, score early, keep the lead. Now, that sounds like... Okay, but yeah, you got to score on a freaking ridiculously talented defense, then keep a ridiculously talented offense off the field. How do you do that? I mean, it's hard. I mean, they have one of the best pass rushes in the NFL. They've got some good coverage guys. Um, Marlon Humphrey's a bit overrated. Uh, Thank God that guy finally got verified on Twitter because he's got a weird Twitter name, and he wasn't verified for years. So it's like, who is this punch dude? I think his name's like Hawaiian Punch or something stupid like that. And I was always like, what is this burner account getting 500 likes, 500,000 likes for? But right. um, I, I mean, I think a good recipe is um, running the hell out of. I mean, Patrick Queen, and all due respect to the Ravens linebackers, Patrick Queen and company can't stop Nick Chubb. I mean, there's very few linebacking cores in the NFL that can stop Nick Chubb. And it's going to. I'm guaranteed the fancy's going to come out. He's going to run the ball a lot. And when they do pass, it's going to be two tight ends, 12 personnel set, and they're going to they're going to have to run play action. And if that's what you have to do, that's what you have to do. And the more I thought about it is the the quicker Baker Mayfield got his hands out of the ball, got the ball out of his hands last year, the more efficient he was obviously. Um but if the pass protection is better and a couple plays do break down and you Baker stays in the pocket longer and as long as he doesn't roll out to that right side, you know, 
Odell Beckham Jr. is one of the most crafty receivers. He's up there with, you know, Keenan Allen's up there, Devontae Adams. These guys are just crafty outside of, you know, the route and getting open, um, just kind of playing football, not being robots. It, it could be a really special year offensively for the Browns, and I don't want to get ahead of myself, but um, I just went off on a little side tangent there because I was just, I'm just getting really excited about the Browns, but. I mean, to beat the Ravens, I know. To beat the Ravens, the the only recipe, because you won't outgun them on offense, it's just not really doable. There's a few teams that can, and the Browns are not going to be this prolifically scoring offense. They're going to pound the crap out of your defense, and then they might take shots on you late in the game. I mean, that's that's the that's the formula that teams that run plays like Stefanski have done in the past. Beat you up early, get your get your secondary tired, then take shots on you deep. But Nick Chubb's gonna have to have a big game. Kareem Hunt's gonna have a have to have a big game. And that's I that's that's my recipe for beating the Ravens. Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb have really big games. I think it's that simple. No Odell, no Jarvis it's Chubb and Hunt, uh, the key to most wins for the Browns, but specifically against a team that's so prolific on offense. No, I, I 100% agree, and I think when you were saying that the best way to beat the Ravens is to keep them off the field, I think that's exactly what they need to do. I think that, like you said, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt have to have big games. I think that you're – I mean – if you're Kevin Savansky, you're running the ball on first and second down, and the only way you're not running the ball on third down is if it's too much to manage, you know? If it's if it's, if it's it's too far of a first down, I think that you need to run the clock. You need to keep your offense on the field as much as you can and keep that defense fresh because if, if you're not, then, again, Lamar Jackson is going to run the hell out of the ball. And, again, I think that we would get curb sound, like you said before. Yeah, but... You know, obviously, one of the scarier things is the um, Ravens obviously have Williams. I mean, I don't know how heavy he is. Maybe 340 pounds. Look it up here. 336 pounds. No. He's a cheeseburger away from being 350. He's not 336. (laughs) So you got Williams, 345 pounds. And, um, you know, Treader should be be good. I'm excited to see what they do at right guard. I think this is the perfect the perfect system for a guy like um Wyatt Teller to thrive in. He's just just seems like he wants to get his he just seems like he wants to get his head beat in. Like he loves contact. He wants concussions. I know obviously nobody wants a concussion, but he's just like right. I, he's he's the guy that's he's the first guy shotgunning a beer after the Browns win a game. Like that's the type of dude he is. <laughs> Might have a right. bullet, never know. But um, this, it, Batonio and Treader are going to be good. There's no doubt. No one ever questions week to week whether they'll be good. Jedrick Wills is going to be good, in my opinion. I think yeah. as long as he doesn't get matched up against Clayus Campbell too often, he's going to be fine. I mean, right. if you're you're the Ravens, you don't let Calais Campbell go up against Joel Batonio. You're going to let him just devour Wyatt Teller. I mean, it sucks, but that's right. what they're going to have to do. Um, so, you right. know, um, Wyatt Teller is going to have to put up with Calais Campbell, who's one of the best best in all of football. 
which sucks. But um, if you're going to double him a lot, and that's going to leave guys like Judon and maybe Ferguson, you know, left unattended. But I don't know. I mean, it's obviously not easy. I don't expect the Browns to win. I know that sounds shitty. I'm usually this overly optimistic Browns guy. I know. I'm sorry, listeners. But don't expect the Browns to win. Just the only thing you can hope for is that they look better than last year. This team isn't right. in win-now mode. I would say that the farthest thing from win-now mode, obviously you want to win while your quarterback's still on that rookie contract, but it doesn't happen right. often. I mean, it, right. it doesn't happen. Um, so they're still young. They have plenty of assets. They just need to look good. And because they don't win week one against the Ravens doesn't mean they won't win the next matchup. Doesn't mean they won't beat them if they play them in the playoffs. Like, you know, a lot of a lot of um, Bleacher Report, ESPN, all these people are really high on the Steelers this year. I'm not so high on them. Defenses don't repeat when they're when the defenses rely on turnovers. Historically, they never repeat. That's why I don't think the 49ers will repeat because the Bears didn't repeat. The only team that statistically repeats that is the New England Patriots. Shocker, but um, I I think the Browns like. Their main worry right now is splitting with the Ravens. So you yeah. split with the Ravens. You split with the Steelers. Because obviously the Steelers are still a good team. They're not bad by any means. Um, and then if you can sweep the Bengals, which you absolutely should sweep the Bengals, you know, then you're 4-2 in your division. I mean, it's, that's all you can really hope for. Um, right. You just can't get swept by... By this Ravens team. And the last thing I'll say before I let you talk some more is this Ravens offensive line isn't isn't great by any means. I mean this this Browns defense isn't great by any means. But you know, um they have very good players. That defensive line hopefully can disrupt Jackson in this offense. That's I mean, you're gonna have to. They're gonna have to disrupt every game. But um I'd say if the if the Ravens did have a weak point, I would personally point to their their offensive line. I mean, DJ Fluker's not good. I he's very bad. I a pretty avid. I watch almost every Seahawks games. I love Russell Wilson. DJ Fluker's terrible. Adrian Bozeman, just one of those guys that played for Bama, so he gets drafted and he's he's played well. I mean, he hasn't played bad. It's all you can hope for in the left guard is to not be a black hole, but. Um. Yeah, obviously, Stanley. I think that honestly, honestly, if you want, if there's any part of this Ravens team that you want to be not so good, it's the offensive line. It's the, it's the line that is going to be going up against the guy that you just gave one of the biggest contracts in NFL history to. You know, so I think that again. If Miles Garrett and Olivier Vernon and Larry Ogunjobi and Sheldon Richardson can get in there and put together some kind of amazing defense in week one, something that can make Lamar Jackson a little bit uncomfortable, then mm-hmm. I think that this team, I mean, I'm not trying to get ahead of myself, not trying to make the listeners too happy or everybody too happy just to be disappointed, but I think that. A, Again, if Miles Garrett, one of the best defensive ends in the NFL, if not the best defensive end in the NFL, can make Lamar Jackson uncomfortable, then the Browns have a shot at winning this game. Yeah, that's that's one of the biggest keys right there on the defensive end. 
Miles Garrett has to has to make his presence known. And I would even go as far as to say Vernon because they're gonna they're gonna take care of Miles Garrett. They're not gonna let him, you know, go one on one too often. Although if they're if he's lining up at right end like he usually does, Ronnie Stanley, I mean, is gonna almost negate Miles Garrett, but luckily they move him around. Um yeah. I like to I would like to see a lot of Miles Garrett play inside a little bit this game. Uh, get you know yeah. the fastest way. Like if you've ever watched sports sports sciences with Aaron Donald, like the fastest way to a quarterback is a straight line. It's not at defensive end; it's at defensive tackle. Um, yeah. But outside of obviously that, th- there's nothing the linebackers can do this game. Really, I just don't think the linebackers are at a level where they can dictate this game. But what the defense, the secondary especially, needs to do. Joe Woods does a great job of this. Needs to disguise things and constantly keep Lamar Jackson think, thinking. I mean, you cannot set up in the coverage that you're going to run. And I know that it's like, what? But you have to be constantly moving, moving guys around, make them think it's, you know, a, make them think it's man and it's so opposite. I know that's easier said than, I mean, it's not easier said than done. You can absolutely do it. But you have to be on the same page as a team defensively. And I think Sendejo is that perfect leader for that secondary. And I think having no fans in the stadium is going to help tremendously for the defense. It's going to help for both sides hearing-wise. But um, to be moving around constantly, keep Lamar Jackson thinking. Because if you let Lamar Jackson drop back or run the option without having to think, it's game over. Lights out. He's taking it to the house. Right. No, I, I yeah. definitely agree. I think that this this team is just it's gonna be an interesting year all around. I think that obviously the news about getting Mac Wilson back a little bit earlier than we expected is obviously good news. But again, it's nothing to gawk over. I think that <clears throat> like you said, to be super blunt, Mac Wilson was awful last year. And yeah. I think he got a lot of hype coming into this year because he's really vocal on Twitter. And I know that that's something kind of cheap to say, but I think that that's, that's what a lot of people are thinking. I know that there are plenty of fans on Twitter that absolutely love Matt Wilson because he's embracing the dog pound role. But at the same time, you can embrace that dog pound role all you want, but if you're not putting it on the field, then it doesn't matter how what you what mentality you have you know i think that yeah again this team is just it's just so interesting but the most interesting part about it all is the defense because the offense can have all the star power but if the defense doesn't show up then it's just going to be a shootout every night and we just got to hope that we can score more than they can and last year's offense didn't really prove that they can score too much so yeah i mean i definitely believe this year's offense will just be astronomically better. I know that we say yeah, this every year as Browns fans, but this is different. Um, I I don't want this to sound rude, but like there are a lot of people that are scared of smart people in sports. They don't like it being analytically, statistically based. They want it to be football minds. Right. Which what the hell does that mean? I mean, I would argue <laughs> Andrew Barry and might know more about the game than. Ninety-five percent of people in the world. I mean, in the world. I mean, played 
he played in college, you know, so he's, you know, almost at the highest level right there. Um, a percentage of, I would venture to say, I have no clue about this stat, but maybe 3% of people that play sports end up playing at D1, the D1 level. I don't know. I'm just, I mean, I would assume it's around there. Um, thinking about how many high school athletes there are. Um, Ivy League grad and see the youngest, see the youngest GM ever or the youngest African-American GM. Either way, I mean, people have given him, and it's not like he's just worked as, it's not like, um, now, um, Jimmy Haslam and D have been very good about diversity, you know, whether it be race or gender or whatnot. They've been very good about it. They don't just, you know, most of the NFL, it's white men running teams, coaching teams. Um, luckily we're starting to see that change and the Browns are doing a great job of it, but it's like, I saw a lot of people when Barry got hired that that's why he was hired. No, it's not what the Philadelphia Eagles and the Indianapolis Colts, two of the best organizations in the NFL, like love this guy. They wanted this guy. They tried to keep him on any way they could, but they both had, you know, GMs or presidents that were just, you, you can't get rid of Chris Ballard. You can't get right. I, Eagles. The Eagles GM is slipping my mind for some reason. Like Doug Peterson keeps coming to my head and I know that's the coach. Um, but anyway, like Eagles have, he's done a great job for the Eagles. Like they he's, gave this guy a chance. Himself. Yeah. He's ridiculously smart. He knows the game of football and he knows how to build a culture. Like he built a culture there. This is, Quite definitely the quietest, quietest I've ever heard the Browns be during preseason. Like, nothing's leaking out of there. They're all on the same goal, and they all have, like, they're all focused on the same thing. Like, we're doing this in a smart educational approach. They're still football guys, but everything's analytics-based. And that's not to scare away, you know, the more seasoned crowd, which is the word I use for old people on here. Um, because that's not what sports have been like in the past, but it's, that's how you win. Bill Belichick, um, these great coaches, Saban, all of them are using analytics. They're not just going out there. and It's not 1980s anymore. It's all analytics-based. Right. Right. I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm really high on Barry and what he's done this offseason. And, uh, man. I'm excited. I think it's. I think this is really going to be a different year. But I'll say this now: I don't think the Browns beat the Ravens Week One, and I won't be mad if they lose. I just want to see that they are heading in the right direction. They're not right. getting going out there and getting beat by 35. When they are down, maybe two or three touchdowns, they don't just walk out there slouched around. I want to see Baker jumping around. I want to see Odell leading. I mean. As crazy as it is to say, Odell and Jarvis are two of the older guys on this team. Like they're leaders. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Odell is one of the only ones that's played in a playoff game. He was terrible that game. He made a bad decision before the playoff game, but he was young and in the biggest city in the in the world. Like right. I mean, he's the he's one of he has one of the most he has yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna get crucified for no I, outside of maybe Malcolm Smith, he has the most playoff experience. And that's crazy to say. Yeah. He's played one game. But this yeah. this Browns team is very, very inexperienced. So I just want to see that Odell's out there being a leader. Baker's being a leader. And this team is just improving, really. 
Yeah, no, I agree. I think that, again, I'm not going to be disappointed if they lose week one because, again, the Ravens were arguably the best team in the NFL last year. And, again, they're not going to get too much worse, if worse at all. You know, like, yeah. they're not going to get just bad over one season, you know. So I think that, again, if the Browns can go out there and prove that they aren't going to get blown out by 30 when they're facing teams that are actually competitive, then I think that they had something to kind of tip your hat at. You know, I think that after week one, you, you go in week two and you're, you have your first home game against the Bengals and then you play the Redskins. I think that those are two games. that Oh, the Washington <laughs> football team. The best. Oh, sorry, sorry. I don't even. I don't even want to get into that name change. Like, have a name in place. It's not that hard. Like, have a name. I don't know if you I, heard I about know. this, but there was a guy that um, that copyrighted like something crazy, like fifty something names, just so that the just so that if the Washington football team when they picked a name, they would have to pay him some sort of amount of money. Yeah, I, I was reading the article on this, and it was <laughs> I was just laughing. Work smarter, not harder. Wow. <laughs> right. Well, right before we go, I just Indians change your name to the Spiders. There's not a cooler name in in all professional sports than the Spiders, and you have that sweet spider. I don't know who tweeted it. I wish I had their at in front of me. There was a sick Indians Cleveland Spiders uniform mock. Oh my God, it looks so cool. You could do so many cool things with the Spiders. Right. And it's, I mean, it's, it's legendary. I mean, that's what we were before we were the Indians, you know? Yeah. What were the spiders were around for like what, maybe 20 years and they won a world series in that 20 years and the Indians have had one 60 or so years. I mean, the the name Cleveland Indians isn't like a good reputation. They've been good for the last four years. So we've been blessed, but my God, were they off from 08 to 2015. Yeah. But I mean I think that's all I have for today's episode, Brandon. Um yeah. everyone out there yeah. listening, this is gonna get it's only gonna get better. This is I think Brandon, did we do have we done one or two episodes together in our entire lives or something? I think two. Two. Okay. Yeah, We've life. done you have done two. sports corner one time for me. Yeah. And then obviously this will be two. I actually think I hopped on Wolf Sports Corner right after the Ravens just spanked the Browns around. And I had to come on there yeah. and try to be like a positive voice. Like, this doesn't mean <laughs> they suck. Freddie Kitchens isn't that bad. Oh, He's that bad. <laughs> oh, poor guy. Such a nice guy. Just terrible coach. Um, right. Uh, I think he's he's good as a tight end coach, QB coach. He's a good guy to have in the locker room. Um, just yeah. shouldn't be Just shouldn't be calling plays on sunday um but yeah this is gonna get better it's gonna get more fluid um we're gonna eventually get to the point where like john and i we're doing the video shows we'll have both of them up and john's still gonna come on this show too he's just i mean we're all busy and like stressed and it's weird time and we haven't done a lot of shows and also cheese doodle dad for any of you that follow him on twitter me and him do pods together i don't know if he'll be on here across the board but I don't know. I'm. I saw Brandon tweet out his goals today, and I was like, "We just need to do this. We we have good Browns following on Twitter. We love talking yeah. about the Browns. It's right there. Take yeah. advantage." No, yeah, and I mean, 
first, I want to thank you for even letting me come on because I mean, you you really have a lot going for you with across the board and obviously across the Browns and stuff like that. So I think that we again, have a lot. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm I'm really excited to be on the show and again just continue to build what we've got going. Obviously, we can only go up from here. So I think that a lot of yeah a lot of this season is going to be fun. Obviously, the losses are still going to be hard, but again, yeah. just getting on here and talking to Browns fans and talking about the Browns is just, it's going to make it that much easier. It's almost like a therapy session. So <laughs> Exactly. It's so nice to talk about the Browns, and especially when things are going well, but when it's going bad, you get a vent, so it's right. never a bad time. But um, All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. If you are still listening, make sure you download it. It helps us out a lot. You know, our affiliates um our analytics don't show that you listened unless you download it which i know sucks but just download it and then if you really want to undownload it or if you don't want to download it and you just like listening to us just give us some love on social media help us get the show out to other people because i appreciate it either way i'm just here to have fun but uh everyone thanks for listening and have a good day yep